Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gabby. And we are two first-year physical therapy students sharing our grad school experiences to help PT students around the world. Embark on this journey with us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Are you struggling financially in PT school? Are you a PT student struggling to find scholarships? Not enough scholarships offered at your school. We have started the Gratitude Scholarship for PT students, no matter what year, no matter what school you guys can apply. We are raising $5,000. You can check out our GoFundMe link in the description and you can donate, apply, whatever, check it out. We are so excited to be giving this away in the summer of 2019 for our very first time. If you're enrolled in the summer of 2019, interested in applying for the scholarship, you can submit a video no longer than two minutes answering these two questions. What is your vision of physical therapy in the future? And what are you doing outside of the classroom as a PT student? If you answer these two questions and email us the video and submit it before May 1st, then you will be eligible for the scholarship. So check it out, guys. Definitely worth applying. It doesn't take long. We look forward to hearing all your submissions. Thank you. In this episode, we chat with Courtney, who is now a doctorate of physical therapy. And when we interviewed her, she was a student studying for the NPTE. And Courtney is a passionate dancer who is making a difference in the opioid crisis. Has done choreography throughout her time in PT school. So we talk about her journey into PT school and how in undergrad she changed her whole trajectory really last minute without the support of her advisors and honestly just did the whole application process on her own, went to Costa Rica to study abroad for two weeks to get all her hours for shadowing, which is crazy. Enjoy the episode. So welcome to another episode of Gratitude, everyone. So for today's episode, we have a really special guest. It's Courtney Livingston, and um, we are so excited to have her on. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. We're so excited about this. And we kind of, if you want to tell the listeners what you have going on right now in your PT world. Yeah, so just um, I think the scheduling part has been has been tough, partly because I have my uh, board exam uh, coming up in uh, about eight days from now, and uh, so I've been kind of hardcore studying, also working part time at my uh, final clinical internship, which is a year long. My school is is kind of unique in the way that they do their clinical internships, where we have they're kind of interspersed within. Our program. So I go to MGH Institute of Health Professions in Boston, Massachusetts, and um, they will start with doing more outpatient, um, you know, didactic work, and then you go to your first 10-week clinical, then you come back for more didactic work, uh, more of inpatient neuro side of things, and then you do your second clinical of about 10 weeks. You have a few more classes, and then your third clinical can be either 14 weeks or an entire year long where you get licensed in the middle of that. So I've finished all of my clinical internships. I've officially graduated from my program and was it, you know, with, with completion of all my clinicals, uh, making me a graduate physical therapy student. And I technically have my doctorate in physical therapy, which is 
somewhat confusing because then, but I'm not yet licensed. So I graduate on January, January 11th and my board exam is on January 29th and I am legally allowed to work as a graduate physical therapist until the board exam. If I don't pass my board exam, I'm no longer allowed to work with patients at all until I take that licensing exam again and pass. So it is a lot of pressure um, to know that I will or will not have a job if I pass this exam <laughs> in eight days. But it, so far, it's looking good. I think we're talking at a good time because I just took my final practice exam, which was the fifth one. And uh, they tend to give you really hard practice exams in the books. Uh, for all those future PTs out there, uh, don't get freaked out and reschedule an exam, which is what I was considering. Um, but recognize that the, book, the exams in the book are extremely difficult. And then when you take the PEAT exams, with P-E-A-T, which are the ones you buy, that are, I, th I think they're supposed to be the um, old exams. So they're much more realistic to what the exam will be. And I did much better on those. So thankfully, it's working out so far. Okay, there's a few topics that I still need to make sure I really uh, hone in on these next few days. And then I will uh, hopefully be a licensed physical therapist. That's so exciting. You are so close, just a couple okay. days away. And what have you been up to in the last, I don't know, the last semester, however you guys uh, do that? Yeah, so I um, was just finishing my last 14-week clinical at Elite Physical Therapy down in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, which was an outpatient clinic and right next to Brown University. So we have a lot of Brown students that we actually treat. So it's a, it's a quite a young population, but still um, quite diverse since it's open to you know whoever walks in our door. The last couple months I've been doing that, but also kind of getting used to my new community down in Providence. I moved down there. And um, I'm a dancer as well, so I've continued dancing all through physical therapy school, um, choreographing, performing, teaching, primarily in the Latin dances, so bachata, salsa, a little bit, you know, dancing a little bit of zouk, um, but I was originally trained in ballet. So that's where my interest and love of movement has come from, is kind of more of my dance background. And so it's been a little bit of a transition for me, kind of getting, I, I love my, my Boston dance community that I was very involved in up here, and I've been getting to know my dance community down in Providence. So once these board exams are over, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting more involved there. But my, my goal is to be able to um, hopefully work with dancers as a physical therapist. And I'm, you know, leading up to this exam, maybe about four or five months ago, I took the, the CSCS, the Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialty Exam, or Certified Strength Coach, uh, you could say. And so that is for essentially a personal training certification. And that was very helpful to make sure I can kind of speak the lingo um, of, of people who come in, who, who lift, who train intensely, and also to kind of teach myself a lot of those strength and conditioning principles that I don't think are necessarily emphasized enough in physical therapy school, which I'd love to talk a little bit more about um, as well as far as, you know, tips and advice for um, students and new grads. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it seems like these last few months have been quite a lot and it, it seems like it's been a really exciting time too. Now, I know you said with dance that you also incorporate opioid like what am I trying awareness and yeah opioid awareness too if you want to talk a little bit more about that how you incorporate that as well yeah so that has been really interesting um 
I wouldn't have predicted myself kind of doing this, uh, but it, you know, circumstances really led themselves nicely to this where uh, I, f I was working with, so my dance partner in Boston, we were working together and both had some personal experiences of friends and family being impacted by the opioid overdose um, crisis that is really taking over this country. And, and as physical therapists, it was, you know, it was just in our APTA uh, magazine where they had a whole article on the opioid epidemic and, and recognizing that as physical therapists, we are one of the most important alternatives to opioid pain medication because part of our role is, is teaching patients how to manage their pain and educating them on what is, what is appropriate pain and what isn't and how to talk about pain is very important with our patients uh, since it's, it's very psychological, you know, it, it brings in that biopsychosocial model. Um, where there's a lot of aspects to pain. And I think it's important for physical therapists to um, understand that pain is going to be an incredibly uh, important topic to discuss with our patients. And knowing how to discuss that uh, is, is, is important. So getting back to this project, um, as a dancer, I was like, well, you know, what can I do for my community to maybe address this topic a little bit? It doesn't seem to be talked about enough um, outside of the healthcare world. And so we had choreographed this piece for a different project and ended up doing a quick choreography in Boston where we had dancers uh, learn the piece in one weekend. And then we performed it as a flash mob in Faneuil Hall, <laughs> out, outside in Faneuil Hall last summer, this past summer, uh, which was really fun, super random, but it was kind of a great way to start the conversation. And after each flash mob performance, we would, uh, on the speaker, talk about, hey, this is... We were doing this to spread awareness about the opioid overdose crisis and, you know, kind of drawing the connection uh, between what's happening now and, and in the 1990s with, with you know, HIV AIDS where, uh, crisis that hit um, my, one of my favorite musicals is Rent, uh, which talks about this. And so I was struck by the similarities that we see where it's, it's very taboo to talk about. It's often, the victim is often blamed the person who's addicted to opioids is often blamed for being in this situation and not given enough help. There's little money, government funding that's addressing this, although that's starting to change now. And recognizing that as healthcare professionals, we have a role to play in this crisis. So, so that was interesting. We performed at local salsa bachata um, venues like Havana Club in uh, Cambridge, Mass. So it was, it was a fun way to start that conversation. So that was a cool way to, do, to bring dance together and then force me to educate myself a little bit more on the opioid crisis and has led me down this path to actually learn more about pain and finding some of these other physical therapists um, like Zach Barber, who has started this Level Up initiative and which I definitely recommend everybody to look into, uh, which we can talk about in a little bit. And really encouraging new grads to think about how important uh, pain will be. Yeah, yeah, it is, especially if you're from like around West Virginia where it all started. Like it's, it's unfortunately the worst around there. In West Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia is like kind of where the opioid outbreak started. And so a lot of people came from West Virginia over to Ohio and that's why it was so bad in Ohio. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I haven't really even talked about this, and I haven't even told Gabby this, but like two years ago, I had like seven of my high school classmates pass away from opioid addiction and overdose, and it was a rough year, to say the least. It's an actual thing, and people don't mm -hmm. necessarily see it. 
or talk about it. Kind of or talk about it if they do see it, exactly. Right. Yeah. And it, it, it's a ripple effect. I mean, it affects everybody. And it's such, it's such a sad thing to see a community that can, um, can be destroyed by it. And, and that was one of the goals of our um, dance flash mob was to, to build a community uh, in a way. So we brought all these dancers that didn't previously know each other. They're from all different parts of Mass and uh, came together. And now um, they still talk on the you know, Facebook messenger that we chat and, and bring each other out dancing, which is huge. And, and that was one of our goals is how important you know, community is to, to, to help people feel included and spread this message of, of kind of love and inclusion and you know, acceptance of yourself and, and especially during these tough times. And I think it can um, build resilience within one when you know you have a strong community to lean on. So I think that's been, that's one of the ways I see kind of the dance community making an impact on this opioid crisis and then on, and then the PT on the other medical community on the other side, trying to kind of prevent it from happening in the first place and, and managing pain in a more responsible manner. So I think you, you can attack this problem from a lot of different ways and uh, building community is, I think, one of the most important things you can do for somebody. Exactly. Okay. I didn't want to go too much in more depth with that. I just wanted to hear how you guys are helping. And it's exactly what you just said, like community and if people are going through something tough in general, not just opioid addiction, like it doesn't have to be extreme, if they feel they have people to go to to talk about what they're going through, that's life-changing. So I applaud what you are doing in the dance community and kind of doing what you can to help with this issue. Yeah, I think we can all do our part, you know. Whatever mm -hmm. community you're part of, you can, I think it's really important to get involved. Uh, whether that's in PT school and getting involved with the clubs at your program in school and pulling people in and, and, and kind of encouraging them to, to be involved is, is important for sure. I think the last thing I wanted to just, you know, which I thought was a good, good point what Zach brought up was that when he just started out, he's a physical therapist been working for a while now. And, and when he, when he was a new grad, um, and he's asking, you know, well, what, what do you think I should focus on? What courses, manual courses, you know, like cervical spine manipulations, like what are some of the courses I should take right away out of school? And his mentor said to him, well, you know, what's the most common thing your patients come complain to you about? And he goes, well, pain, but you know, about, and he goes, pain. Pain is one of the most common things that your patients, they're, they're there for, right? They're there because of pain. So learn about that. So I think that's, uh, you know, kind of an important lesson for a lot of us as students is, is maybe that's not focused on enough um, in, our, in our schooling. So how to talk about pain, how to address pain, how to describe pain, um, and more importantly, how to manage it. Yeah, I think that's so important too. And shout out to Zach. He is incredible. For anybody who doesn't know, the Level Up Initiative is a really great thing. And he's a great person to talk to about that. But yeah, no, pain is something that, you know, where our patients go through, like you said, and just seeing it, I mean, currently right now, I'm in my first clinical rotation and actually seeing that as a student now that I've had some, you know, coursework and talked about um, pain science, but it's just so crazy to me how, how it's just like, how do I say this? You really have to address it and relate with your patients. And I think that's so important. The first few patients that I saw, I really saw chronic pain. Like, 
for the first time and just thinking about it has been so eye-opening and I just want to learn more about it now and just dive into pain science and and look more into that I think we all need to you know really be aware of it definitely what I wanted to kind of hear more about is your journey to dance and obviously dance is kind of what led you to physical therapy talking about the base like how did you get into dance yeah I think um I've danced since I was three years old I've, I've uh, trained in, in classical ballet but I don't think I really appreciated it obviously till I stopped um which I think you know is probably truth for many many things in our lives um, but I didn't dance in high school and ran track, which was kind of, which was fun. I, that's where I learned some of my lifting and kind of loading principles, I guess you could say, or programming more accurately, um, and how to train throughout a season. And that was, that was really awesome. I did hurdles and kind of mid distance running. And so anyways, I really, I really enjoyed, um, track. And then when I got to college, I was like, wow, I really miss, I really miss dance. I miss expressing myself through movement. And I went back and um, just, I did, took ballet classes throughout, pretty intensive with the dance majors, ballet classes throughout, throughout all of college and joined a dance group where I was choreographing every semester, which was awesome and provided an outlet for kind of self-expression. And, you know, it was really nice for mental health as I was, as, you know, a de-stressor and having a community. And, and when I got, when I moved back to Boston, I went to University of Michigan. So when I moved back to Boston, um, I realized a lot of my high school friends were kind of all spread out. You know, I, I needed a new community. And I just started going every Monday to a um, bachata night <laughs> where they would do like a $5 lesson at a Havana club in Cambridge. And then I just got involved with the community. So I joined two teams in the Boston area. But in college was when I made the switch. So I actually studied public po Arabic, Arabic and uh, public policy. So my major um, was health perspectives in the Middle East within the public policy school at University of Michigan, which is called the Ford School of Public Policy. And so it was a big switch for me junior year. Uh, I was not a science person, really, even though I do enjoy it. I loved biology and everything in high school, but um, never really thought it was for me. And then I switched my second half of junior year. And so I had a lot of courses to do. And I did not, had not taken kinesiology courses for like my whole life um, or exercise physiology courses or any of these extra courses that would have been like kind of helpful. So instead I, so I quickly changed plans and realized, I just kind of realized over the winter break um, after my June, after my first fall semester of junior year and I was like I don't want to do a lot of these like government jobs that I'm looking into as a public policy major it's kind of what you expected um like I don't know I don't none of this seems to be really fitting me that well and um one of my friends asked me like if there was no limit in money or time like and so you could switch into anything right now what would you do I was like, and she's like, what's something that you really enjoyed? I was like, you know, I always really enjoyed being a captain in the track team and, and teaching like tech hurdle technique. How like random is that? Like hurdle technique, like it just like popped into my head. I was like, you know, that was like fun. Like I've loved the detail of technique. And so that kind of started me thinking like, what can I do that's maybe a little bit more academic side of that? Um, and where I can maybe build a profession off of it. And physical therapy obviously was suggested. So 
I looked into that. I was like, yeah, like I get to move around all day. I don't have to sit at a desk. (laughs) Um, I can talk about movement and health and encourage people, which I kind of was doing already. You know, I'd always bring friends to the gym with me or, you know, look into healthy eating habits and things like that. So it was a nice way to bring it all together. And once I found that, I just jumped all in. I changed everything. I all my courses, you know, and anybody who's gone to a big state, you know, big university knows how difficult it is to change your whole course schedule, like a few days before classes starts. So it was, it was quite an ordeal. And I, and I, I think this is a lesson to a lot of new PTs is that, or, or students even before PT school is like, don't, some, don't let somebody tell you you can't, if you want to switch, you can. I had, I had, I went to an advisor and they told me, mm, you know, that's just not really possible to change at this point. And I remember being like, uh, yes, it is. I'm the one paying for these credits. Are you kidding me? Like, no, I'm going to change. Um, and so I, I really resented that. I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'm, I'll do it myself. So I just registered myself without any advisor help. I looked up all of the credits I was going to need. I joined the pre-PT club at University of Michigan, you know, way late, because everyone's like, you know, what's going on here? Who are you? Joined that and just got the PowerPoint on how to apply to PT school that they were giving. And I was like, great, I got this has all the information I need. And I just like pretty much did everything I could do to make myself the most competitive for PT school um, and started then. I went to a two-week abroad trip to Costa Rica, which gave me like over 80 hours uh, in different settings because I knew that was going to be a challenge to get hours in time. I used some of my connections at University of Michigan's hospital and did an acute care observation, um, which I knew was going to be difficult to get, um, but also made me stand out more as a, as an applicant. And I observed outpatient and pretty much just did everything I could do to make myself competitive and applied to PT schools and and did fine getting in. So I think um, I did have to take a year in between my undergrad and my and PT school to finish physics. But that was the only course. I got my anatomy, physiology done. I got that to count for my public policy major because it was an upper level course. So there's ways to do it. And um, if you like dig hard enough. And I think so I've, I've already like mentored some PT students or pre-PT students and really encourage them to just make a plan and um, you, can, you can find a way. You really can. I think that's something that a lot of students needed to hear because, I mean, pre-PT students especially, because if, you, if you're in a major and you're really not happy, you don't have to stick with it, like you said. And you can, you know, even if it's later in the game, like if you're in your sophomore, junior year and you're like, this is something I really don't know if I want to do, like you can switch and your advisor may tell you different because I've heard that a lot, especially talking to pre-PT students saying like, oh, my advisor's not recommending it and everything. But if it's what you want to do as a profession and it's something that you've always had, you know, an interest in, you may not think about it right away, just go for it. Don't let anyone tell you different. And I think that's, that's a big thing and part of your journey too. So I think that's super important for people to hear. Agreed. And a quick question. So what did you do in Costa Rica? Like what did, what inspired you to go down there for two weeks? Yeah, it was, it was one of those kind of health exchange programs, which I know are like sometimes a little controversial because I don't know, I think it can be a little white savior complex um, to go to some of some of these countries but i had actually previously been to costa rica and knew that um they have some well-educated clinicians and and it's pretty awesome country and and 
in so many ways and wanted to go down again. And I liked how this program, you worked with physical therapists, Costa Rican physical therapists, and you were students. So, you know, they took all, you know, liability for the patients and were very careful with what we could and couldn't do with the patients. But um, we would set up essentially like community clinics and we would go the day before, hand out hand out, you know, like numbers, if you were, you know, if people were interested, and then we would be there the next day and set up uh, PT tables and do quick evaluation of balance and gait maybe and kind of basic uh, blood pressure was a big one and a little bit kind of a basic screen. And then for a few of the things, the physical therapist would just help us teach us how to do, you know, nothing crazy, but kind of what exercises to show them, you know, even basic things like that. But what was difficult was it was all in Spanish. And so I, my Spanish was okay. Um, and I actually could use my Spanish, but they had two Costa Rican medical students who uh, would translate for us, which was really cool. So they helped us out. We had about 10 students. And we went to like uh, Children's with Disability Center and worked there for a little bit, helping with children with, you know, cerebral palsy or um, I think they maybe Duchenne's. I think we saw a little bit. But at the time, I didn't really know many of these uh, medical because I was so new at the whole medical stuff. So, yeah. And then we worked with uh, geriatrics at a nursing home. Um, and so we got to see very different population. And for me, it was kind of my like, point of no return. I'm like, okay, if I really hate this trip and all these different settings, okay, maybe it should make me second guess this. But I liked it. I I liked learning the medical side of it. I I loved working with my hands, which is something that not many professions necessarily allow you to do as far as some of the, you know, desk job professions. Yeah. So I, I liked it. I loved how it just, it pretty much just exposed me to everything. And the biggest challenge was the language barrier. Uh, which, you know, has, has always inspired me to encourage me to continue to learn medical Spanish, I think is something, is something I'd always would love to do. That's so cool. And what would you do? Like, are you still kind of learning Spanish or medical Spanish right now? Um, that was actually offered at my school. You could take like, I think it was like only two or $300 for like maybe eight weeks of two to four hour classes every Saturday and uh, where they they had a beginner and an intermediate medical Spanish course. And I actually applied and got in and was going to do it and then just decided I was doing way too much. Um, I was class, I was class representative um, for my PT school. So um, I was very involved with organizing, you know, just social events for my classmates And uh, I went to CSM as a student uh, in New Orleans last year, which my school paid for us for me and one other student to go uh, down. So we had to do some stuff for that. And I was just like essentially dancing like 10 hours a week. I mean, it was, it was crazy. (laughs) It was a lot (laughs) because I was training just, you got to train and keep your body intact. And then I was performing and teaching at festivals. We flew to California to teach at a festival out there. Um, we taught at the Boston Salsa Festival, so uh, a couple different festivals. So it was it was really cool, it, but it's been such an amazing community. And now that I'm moving into working as a physical therapist, I've already, already had dancers reach out to me saying, hey, you know, can you help me with this? Like, I've you know, hurt my ankle, a lot of ankle foot injuries for dancers are very common. So um, I'm, I love the ankle, weirdly, so it works out perfectly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So yeah, I, uh, I think I found a little niche there, a niche, however you want to say it. But with all that said, one other thing to throw in there is for students and new grads is don't be afraid of trying something new. I just took a level one pelvic floor course with the Herman and Wallace uh, because my elite physical therapy paid for it. 
and they need more women's health specialists um, in the clinic. So I was like, sure, I'll take it. Like, why not? It was really like intense. Um, and, you know, you got to be ready to be a patient, which was intense and interesting um, and have internal exams uh, done on you and practice on your colleagues during the course. But hey, like it was interesting. I learned a lot and it's a new skill set that I can use to differentiate myself kind of professionally down the road. So, you know, I think this growth mindset thing is, uh, is real and, and students should really uh, keep that in mind. It's no knowledge is, is lost. Oh, I, oh my gosh. I love that. Definitely. Now, what advice would you give to current PT students or aspiring PT students? Uh, yeah, definitely. So I think that my, I wrote a few bullet points down here. Um, I think one of the, one of the most important pieces of advice I can give uh, current physical therapy students is to make sure that they're teaching themselves if their program doesn't do a good enough job about this of um, strength and conditioning principles. And there's a lot of ways to learn this stuff, but you will be using it every day in the clinic. And if you are just relying on very basic, you know, three sets of 10 for everything, in the clinic, it's going to, you know, you're really not going to see some of the returns and gains that your patients deserve. And it's really doing, it will be, you know, on the other hand, doing a disservice to your patients if you don't educate yourself on, on some of these topics. So that includes, you know, learning how to hip hinge, you know, learning how, um, why you would give a patient maybe a goblet squat and what are the different variations of, of squatting so that if, you know, what's, what's the difference between hip dominant and knee dominant exercises. So if someone has knee pain, you can, you can be giving your patient uh, more hip dominant exercises to strengthen, you know, and vice versa. Um, How do you actually activate the transverse abdominus? You know, how, what are some, you know, what do we mean by core and why do we care and is core is just strengthening the core really what low back patients need you know maybe there's something else we need to be talking about and you know how to properly load and you know this these are a lot of topics and they're complicated and and, but there's a lot of people out there who want to help and can mentor you so finding those mentors so that so and you know like I, I did it I went through the CSCS and then from there learned about a lot of these other mentors that I could reach out to um and took the strength conditioning elective at my school. So that's, that's how I started to educate myself. And I continue to learn because I was never really a big gym person as a dancer. So I've had to really push myself to learn all this gym stuff. I just signed up for a freaking um, weights app, <laughs> you know, to, to try to learn just to see different exercises that they're doing. I go to, I go to so many different types of exercise classes. I just did a Barry's boot camp that I'd never done before. I want, you know, I want to try orange theory. I want to try um, I do lots of yoga, Pilates, all these different things. Um, I did a Pilates certification course. So I, I do a lot of things to learn from very different fields of um, how to strength train, knowing that there's not one correct way, but there's a lot of wrong ways. Um, and there's a lot of ways that could be better than others. So that's why I think it's, it's um, important to do that. And that leads me into the second important thing for, for PT students, new grads is, is think about social media. What is the power of social media and how can you use it to, to learn? Um, I think that it can be a vehicle for a lot of mental illness and it can also be a vehicle for learning. So what, what are some actions that you're going to take to make sure that you're using it in the healthiest way you can? Um, And one way I did that was by making a separate Instagram account uh, where I only followed physical therapists and dancers. And I don't even use really my personal one anymore because 
I don't know. I just got sick of this whole comparison thing and I don't think it was making me feel any better about myself. So, and I really only used it to look at my own pictures, which does make me feel better about myself. So I, <laughs> um, so I made my own uh, professional Instagram and was the way I met you guys and were able to connect with you through, you know, the gratitude podcast and um, have followed and found out about other podcasts that I think are really interesting. And, and I was the dance well podcast and have connected with um, the physical therapist who, who started that, who is a, is a recent grad. And so it was really cool to talk with her uh, and looking forward to learning more from her and, and following that podcast. So, and hopefully now as I, once I take my boards, I'm planning on hoping to be more of a resource for my dance community who aren't following all these other physical therapists and people that I see. And so I want, you know, maybe I can be there their point of contact for entrance into the healthcare system, which can be incredibly complicated. So maybe I can help kind of be that ambassador uh, between my Latin dancers, you know, Boston and Providence, New York dance community, and be able to help shepherd them to where they need to go to get the best care, you know, dance specific care. So I think social media is incredibly powerful in knowing your population that you're interested in. Dancers use Instagram extensively for videos and dance pictures, pictures and things like that. So I'm aware of that and I got to meet them. Just like I said before, you got to meet them where they're at. And if social media is where they want to get their information from, then, then so be it. And I want to, then I'll do that. But, um, but being aware that you got to take care of, you know, your own mental health and recognize that social media has its good sides and it, and its downsides um, and doing everything you can to make sure that you're still living a balanced life and, and um, taking care of yourself. So I often will like do a hardcore exercise before I even think about posting anything. <laughs> like um, I try to limit my time on Instagram or Facebook um, every day and read a book before I go to bed instead of looking at Instagram. Um, so those are some tips. I think um, knowing your strength conditioning principles and seeing how you can uh, get involved with uh, in social media will be will be really helpful going forward. Throw that last thing in there. As, uh, you know, both of those can help you find your mentors. So I'd say the, the main three points, one, uh, learn your strength and conditioning principles, um, whether that's having to learn it on your own uh, or having to find a mentor to help you. And the second main take home message is um, learn how to use social media in a healthy, productive way, uh, which can also help you to find podcasts, good resources, mentors, um, and inspiration, honestly, for where you can take your your career yeah i think those are all great points and especially for the strength and conditioning and like how to analyze a squat and how to analyze a front squat back squat like all of that um i think is so important we just had zach long on the podcast um not too long ago and he teaches courses in that too i feel like we just don't get that enough we really hardly get it in pt school I mean, some programs, like you have a um, selective on it, but other than that. That was the first year we had the elective. It was brought by students. Oh, okay. It was a capstone project done by students um, to develop this entire curriculum. And they asked Zach to be the presenter. So they oh, were okay. Done by students and should be encouraged by students for sure. Um, that is definitely a role to, to make sure students are involved in their own curriculum building. Uh, mm -hmm. And they were able to do it. They, they were able to do it throughout the second year so that we had it by our third year electives. And I was able to take part of that as, um, 
uh, kind of all take and learn from the fruit of all the effort that my fellow classmates had done. And I'm really proud of them for, for all the work that they, they did and they, uh, to, to make sure that this happened. Because I've used these principles every single day in the clinic and I, uh, I don't know what I would have done. So I, I applaud my own classmates for the work they've done and I hope that it inspires other students to do the same. Yeah, because there is so much to learn in PT school. I feel like you can't necessarily say, oh, PT school, like, they mess up because they're not teaching this, although they should definitely incorporate it. It is hard to get such a general education in such a short amount of time. Like, there's so much that you've got to learn, and students should really take charge of their education and do what they can to learn what they feel they need to, which is including strength and conditioning, including different things maybe you're not comfortable with, taking a pelvic health course, taking, you know, maybe like observing some dance and Pilates, whatever, um, just expanding your knowledge however you can. And recognizing that they might not change until it changes on the boards. I think exactly. that questions on the boards that I'm signing for right now. So, you know, maybe that's something that needs to be addressed as well. What's actually driving these curriculum and where is that someplace? Is that, do we need to start there? Uh, but in the meantime, we can do what we can at our own schools and then hopefully work on the bigger policy issues uh, down the road. Exactly. And what piece of advice would you have to an aspiring PT student, someone who's like, I want to be a physical therapist, but I'm just like struggling to get into school? I think I would encourage them to uh, shadow. I would encourage them to observe uh, and really make sure that this is their goal uh, because it is hard to get into PT school and I'm a big advocate for once you decide to to do something go go like do everything you can and that includes like networking and that kind of has like a dirty tone you know uh, connotation to it which I think is is not good but I think that making those connections is another way of putting it and and meeting as many people in the field as possible to make sure that it fits you so that means observing going to clinics in different settings and being open to constructive feedback uh, no matter what point you are in your in your career um, and kind of seeing feedback as a gift that someone is giving you they care enough about you to to give you some feedback so that's something that i had to learn and got a lot better at throughout my clinicals. Uh, but now have really, I really appreciate when people give me honest feedback. And, um, and I hope that pre-PT students and PT students alike really use these opportunities of clinicals and shadowing and observing to, um, to learn as much as they can and to be humble enough to, um, to appreciate the feedback they're getting. Great advice. Gabby and I were just talking about, about that before you came on today, which is so funny. <laughs> like, yeah, accepting feedback and also being able to give it to other people, other classmates, like give it to yourself as well. Like really, really take an honest look at yourself and say, am I going in a direction I want to be going and am I where I want to be? Yeah. It's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> difficult. I don't do it very well because I definitely didn't do it very well for a while. Yeah, and here you are though. Like you have such an amazing journey and I think there are so many people who are going to benefit from hearing your story and hearing about something different. You know, people don't think about dance unless they are a dancer. And I think more people should really look at it and learn how different movement can affect the body and inspire the mind you know? yeah exactly 
And we just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today, taking time out of your NPTE studying. Hopefully it was a refreshing break for you. It was. It was. I'm going <laughs> after it right now. <laughs> Hopefully next time uh, I talk to you guys, I'll be licensed as a therapist. Yes. That's so exciting, but we, we really enjoyed our conversation with you, Courtney, and it was so great to hear your story, like Sarah said. Yeah, we, we can't wait for um, other people to hear it. Yes, and where can people find you on social media if they do have questions for you? Like, where can they reach out? Yeah, so my uh, Instagram is living to dance, uh, PT. And so that's where you can find me, Courtney Livingston. And that's the best way to reach out to me right now. Uh, I am planning on working on a website and um, kind of building my dance network as well. So if you have any dancers who are interested in, in learning a little bit more about rehab and um, strength and conditioning, definitely have them reach out to me. Awesome. And thank you again. We will stay in touch for sure. Maybe have you come on like six months from now after you're in the PT world. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll be very interesting and maybe everything I say I'll already be but thank yeah. you for having me on I really appreciate talking please let me know if there's anything I can help you guys with as you go on through uh, PT school and, and the challenges hang in there it's it's uh, exhausting and stressful but um, it's worth it at least for, for my where I'm at right now and that you have a lot of colleagues who are there to support you so Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.